I'm Nat Finley. And I'm Adele Herman. You are listening to And We Go On, a podcast produced by She Unites. We are a nonprofit located in Dubuque, Iowa, with the mission of uniting women from across the Midwest to build a stronger community through engagement, genuine conversation, companionship, and supporting causes that matter. Our vision for the show is to continue the conversation had at our monthly educational events for women by women. And now we go on. Hi guys, we are here with Rachel Fitzpatrick and I am so excited. We are here with Adele Herman, Nat Finley, and Rachel. Rachel, welcome. Hey, how are you? Good. It's so excited to have you back again. I was just saying before we got started, uh, back in October, we had Rachel speak down at Seven Hills Event Center um, and I was unable to make this event. So I was, I'm really excited to rehab this conversation with her and just continue all of this this fun topic about the financial journey and all the stuff that she brings to the table. So welcome again. And uh, tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm a native of Dubuque, grew up here, um, went to school at the University of Iowa, graduated there, got started actually in the insurance business um, through my dad. Um, He had some friends that were in the business and Um, had started working claims there. So I handled claims for about uh, seven to 10 years. About 16 years ago, I opened up my own agency. Um, So I specialize in um, managing risks, um, helping people with their money. I'm really passionate about it. I think it's, um, you know, our mission statement is to put as many people as possible into a better financial situation. When I'm not doing that, I have three kiddos that keep me super busy. I am ball, um, dance, and just overall, you know, family, fun time, cooking, reading, running, um, all those things. That's cool. So when you were at the University of Iowa, did you know that you wanted to go into this or were you like, hey, I'm just going to like dabble into this and see where it goes? Or I mean, did you have any idea? No, I wasn't ready to grow up. <laughs> so like I, everyone, like everyone, I didn't know that that was a choice I needed to make at that point. So I actually, I uh, had a, have a psychology degree. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. And I kind of got to my senior year in college and went like, I don't want to, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I figured I better finish it out since I was close and Um, and I had been doing the insurance thing. And so I just kind of stuck with that while I was trying to think through and figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And I, I don't think it was until really like, you know, I had the opportunity to open my own business that I was, you know, like it was probably five to 10 years into that, that I really started thinking about how I could help people, what my strengths were. Um, how to develop those strengths and just kind of make an impact on people's lives. That's cool. Um, going back to your our conversation in October, let's kind of like jump into it right away because I feel like there's a lot of information that I personally selfishly want to cover because I wasn't there in October. <laughs> um, let's go over like the money myths that we chatted. Can mm-hmm. you kind of give us a little like preview into that? And yeah, just kind of let's start there with the money myths. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is, um, you know, uh, making, you have to make a lot of money to be rich and Mm -hmm. it's simply not true. I mean, there's so many examples of, um, people that, you know, were in the NFL or like one hit wonders. Mm -hmm. Um, MC hammer was an example that was used in the book where he made $39 million in one year. And, um, you know, five years later, he's, 
filing for bankruptcy. Mm. So it's not really about how much money you make. It's more about managing the money, um, figuring out how to save using consistent strategies and um, focusing on your goals and what's important to you when it comes to to how to save for money. Mm-hmm. Um, the another one was um, someone will take care of me, you know, whether it be like a parent or a spouse, or, you know, maybe they'll I'll receive an inheritance at some point. And the truth of the matter is that those things aren't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your spouse may be taking care of it at the moment, but there's no guarantee that they're always going to be there to take care of it. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where you can't handle it. And, you know, inheritances are a lot of times people don't really know what that is or, where it's coming from, that kind of thing. So it's just, it's just important to make sure that you're managing yourself and your own money and focusing on your own goals and um, working on those skills and doing it, doing it yourself. Yeah, totally. And like something that you had brought up, like when you spoke at She Unites, you're like, right, like show of hands in the room, like how many of you like have a grasp of your own finances or like do the bookkeeping in your household. And like, it was kind of a mixed bag, like for like women who are in charge of that in like their relationship or independent or not. Yeah. So it's like, you have to know what's going on. Like start there. You have to know what's going on. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really like, you know, a lot of people will say like back to that first myth of the cash flow. like I don't have an extra 50 bucks a week or an extra mm-hmm. 50 bucks a month to put away. And so I would encourage people to really examine their spending. You know, it's mm-hmm. just as simple as like uh, that Starbucks coffee every day. I'm not saying never get a Starbucks coffee because I'm guilty of that pleasure myself. Yeah. But, but maybe focus on, you know, like what is the goal and why is it a goal? And then you just need to come up with strategies to to get there. Mm-hmm. So. Totally. And I feel like too, going back to the inheritance and like having plans with your money. When I graduated, I felt like I wanted to live this lifestyle that I left my parents' house. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the hardest realities for me personally to be like, oh, I wanted to have consistency. I wanted to have that cash flow. I wanted to graduate and be making 60K at the age of 22. So realistic, super (laughs) realistic. And I wanted all of these things, you know, I wanted the nice car. I wanted the house. I wanted the stability, like the long-term, I think just mentally, I was like, I can have all that. Right. But over time, like my parents grinded so hard to have the things that they had when I graduated, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that mindset of being like, this is going to take time. You have to start somewhere mm-hmm. and you have to, like you said, have a plan and be strategic. And what is your, you know, your why behind it and, and have a plan. <laughs> and I think it's different for everyone. I mean, some people like maybe, maybe, you know, being wealthy or like a financial goal might be having their mortgage paid off for someone else. Maybe it's being able to take a nice trip once a year, or mm-hmm. maybe it's not having any student loan debt, you know. Um, so I think that's super important to kind of think through what that looks like to you. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean? Like, what is that financial goal for, for that specific ind- individual? Mm-hmm. What would you say that when you have these conversations, what is like your average age that, you know, people come to you? What'd you say? I mean, I speak with, 
I speak with people at all different stages of their mm-hmm. lives. It's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. I always talk about my dad who, um, you know, when he was 40, he, that's when he really started saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, I think he had done some work prior to that, but he really didn't start putting a lot of money away until he turned 40 and he retired at the age of 62. So that's cool. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it was really a focus for him. And he like in his mind at that point, he didn't think he was going to live a long life because of his family history. So he didn't want to work until he died, you Mm -hmm. know? And so Mm -hmm. that was his why. And that's what he focused on and, um, you know, put forth the effort to, to make it happen. So it's never too late. Totally. I feel like you don't hear about those stories very often. That's really cool. Yeah. I feel like the narrative is often like, if you don't start now, it's gloom and doom and like you're screwed. Yeah. I definitely feel like that's what's told to us. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're not putting $50 or, you know, $50 a month or a week away right now, you're not going to have anything like good luck. (laughs) It's easier. It's for sure easier because that there's this concept of the time value of money, which is the earlier you start, um, the less you have to save to have more later theory, you know, take advantage of compound interest over time. And the less you like the shorter period of time that you have to keep your money. So I'm not saying wait until you're 40. (laughs) Right. That's not my suggestion, but, um, but it's easier to start early and Mm -hmm. do it with whatever you can, you know, like, like I said, don't sacrifice the pleasures in life. I definitely think you have to balance it with living too, buying the pair of shoes, having the cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. but create a habit of putting money away. Mm -hmm. So because you like studied psychology and like, yeah, you were in like the insurance adjacent industry, like growing up and whatnot, like where did your money mindset and like financial wisdom come from? Like, are you just self-taught? Was it, did it come from your dad? Like, where did that kind of come from for you? I think for sure it helped having parents who who were, you know, aware financially of like that. I knew that I didn't know what they were doing. I knew they were saving money. I knew they made good choices. We didn't talk about it growing up. Um, I do remember, interestingly, uh, Oprah, like I used to watch Oprah when I got home from school at four o'clock and my mom hated it because <laughs> I think she thought I was watching some garbage. But honestly, the only thing I can really remember from those episodes is Oprah's advice on money and that's awesome. starting to put money in your 401k as early as you could. And every time you got a raise, pay yourself first. And you don't notice, you know, if you get a raise of like two or 3%, put two of it or 1% of it, increase your savings into your retirement account. And the other thing she said was you should always manage your own money. So back to that idea of like, you know, letting someone else eat and think of like the billions of dollars that Oprah probably has, like, and she's, and she knows what's going on with her money. So that's just always like, that was one thing that I always remembered. Mm -hmm. Like Oprah made it happen. That's awesome. I love the fact that you watched Oprah every day after school. It's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) It's impressive. That is. Um, So when I graduated and I felt like all growing up, I had this narrative in my mind that I wasn't great at handling money. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not. It's the, it's just the way that I am. Yeah. I'm not great at it. I'm labeled as a spender. I like nice things. 
I, when I want something, I just go for it. And, uh, when Clay and I got married, I felt like that was the hardest thing and the hardest narrative mentally to change my mind to be like, I can't do this. You handle it all. I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. And like changing that, you know, psychological and, you know, self-talk in my mind to be like, okay, how do we make different habits and go from there? And I feel like a lot of women are labeled as like spenders. And like, as you, as, you know, as a, as a woman, as a mom, as a business owner, like, how did you kind of navigate that narrative in your mind and move to, you know, financial freedom in that, you know, successful way? Yeah. So, I mean, my first thought on women are spenders versus men, you know, not being as high of spenders, I guess I would say is just that I think men and women spend differently. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that like I did take a look at some statistics and there were some statistics that men spend single men spend more actually versus single women. Um, but then when you examine like married couples, like a lot of times the, the woman is doing the spending, but she's spending on like household products, like Mm -hmm. groceries and, um, you know, other cleaning products. The other thing is like things for women tend to cost more. So like shampoo, clothes, apparel, you know, call it a pink tax. Yeah. Yeah. Tampons. Right. There's a tax (laughs) on tampons. Um, like it's not a necessary medical, like (laughs) their medical thing, like other. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then men spend money on, you know, golf, alcohol, gambling, um, you know, tools, cars, things like that. So, Women actually account for the majority of the spending in the economy, but I do think it's more because they're just doing spending on like, like more for the household. Right. Mm-hmm. The necessities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, and I, you know, to the point of like, you're not good at it. Like I, it's like anything, right. It's just like a story that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to change the story and learn how to do it. I, you have to figure out, you know, where the money's going, um, what, what's important to you really mm-hmm. like people, we kind of, we live in a society where, um, you know, we want to do things, we want immediate gratification. And so it's just like being able to delay it and it, it makes it easier if you create a habit of, out of it. Mm-hmm. So just once a month, $50, you know, maybe start there if that feels better. And a lot of times people like what I see in people is they will spend what they have. And so if they pay themselves first, it's gone out of their account and they just automatically don't spend it. Mm -hmm. They'll come back a year later after they made the choice to start investing and they'll say that wasn't as bad as I thought. So I think I can increase it now. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the sum of small activities repeated day in and day out. That's what leads to success. It's not magical. It's not like you're, you know, investing isn't like winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. If you think that you have to know a lot about the stock market and what stocks to buy um, and how they perform, the average investor, um, like a strategic strategy of investing monthly actually outperforms the average investor trying to time the market on their own. Because sometimes they're going to hit the market low and sometimes they're going to hit it high. 
but over time it all balances out. And I think, you know, like I said, like some, like I, some people are really good at living within their means. Mm -hmm. You know, they have like maybe a very large savings account built up, but they don't know what to do next. And so, you know, if you've got, like, if that's the case, you don't want to keep up, like make your money work for you. You don't want to keep, they've insulated themselves from emergency expenses. Um, but they're not going to have the opportunity to make money on their money Mm -hmm. and just talk to someone, you know, just Mm -hmm. like, you can't know always where to go. Other people like, and they have an employer account. That's a really good place to start because Mm -hmm. it's easily accessible. Money comes right out of your paycheck. Matching things. You get a free match. A lot of times they offer a free match on your contribution. So you don't want to miss out on that opportunity for free money. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, if you're someone who's, you know, you're managing your debt, you've got that emergency expense account built up, you're starting the 401k, it's not going to be enough. People are living longer. Um, You know, you have to look at like other opportunities. And if you're contributing over your match, sometimes there's better ways to place your money to maximize, you know, tax consequences later Mm -hmm. and accessibility of money. Mm-hmm. When I, when Clay and I first got married, I was like, you handle it all. I want nothing to do with it because I told myself that narrative, but, um, I had a friend that she lost her husband at a very young age and I saw her not know anything. And it, it really opened my eyes to wanting to know more and to be like, I need to be in on these conversations I need to know where our money is. I need to know long-term what we're doing. And I need to know the plan that you visually see for us as well. Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, I just thought, oh, he'll handle it. And he is handling it. And, but now we are handling it together. And I think that that is like a very vulnerable conversation. Mm -hmm. And I know nothing about, like you said, and just being able to ask questions to people and having someone that you can call or a friend or a book, which we'll talk about here at the end too. that you can, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, read through, ask questions and kind of go from there. And I don't think anyone should ever feel embarrassed about not knowing mm-hmm. we're all, we all have our, you know, specialties. We all have like our focus and what we're passionate about and people are just, it's like anything people are at all just different levels. Mm-hmm. And so if that's where you're at, that your husband took care of it, you know, I think it's, there's no harm, like no loss of pride in just being transparent about that's where you are, because that makes it easier for someone to help you do if they know that that's the the level that you're at. Totally. Yeah. And like something that our board has talked about. So like when we initially started our high school program, like a lot of it was surrounding like finances and stuff. And it's like, as teenagers, like we weren't really taught about money. Like there was like there weren't classes or our parents weren't really involved in that conversation. So it's like, there's a lot of people that just go into adulthood knowing absolutely nothing. So there's nothing to be embarrassed about because nobody's taught it regardless. Mm -hmm. Or like you don't ask people what they make or where is money going or how much you are you investing? Or even, I mean, I worked in like a cubicle setting and I didn't, I mean, I could have asked like my cube mate, be like, Hey, how much are you doing into your company match? Or, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. conversations like that, that I felt like for a long time were very taboo. Mm -hmm. And especially like women to women, like you're like, I feel like we should be able to talk about this. (laughs) 
When I opened my first 401k, I was working at Progressive and I invested in 100% Progressive stock just because I had no idea what what I, I was supposed to be doing. And I was like setting it up and in a hurry and I didn't want to call the Fidelity guy. So I just chose the company stock. And fortunately for me in that four years, the company took off. <laughs> it awesome. worked out. So it worked out. But everyone starts there. You know, right. everyone starts with like a low level of knowledge. And it's just, you know, just having that mindset that you're willing to learn and, and get better. This episode of And We Go On is sponsored by Flight of Fifth Blues and Barbecue. Come experience where the blues and barbecue of Beale Street meets the jazz and Cajun food of Bourbon Street at this from scratch kitchen in Bellevue, Iowa. Known for their incredible house smoked meats and Southern specialties, Flat and Fifth has been featured by Southern Living Magazine, Food and Wine Magazine, and the Iowa Tourism Awards. Grab a bite at Flatted Fifth at their flagship Bellevue, Iowa location in the historic Potter's Mill or at their debut kitchen inside Dimensional Brewing Company. For more information, head to pottersmill.net. Um, how do you stay focused about long-term investing? Um, cause like you said, nothing about investing is fun or sexy or, <laughs> or winning the lottery for most people. It's not fun and sexy. No, I mean, I, I would say number one, have a goal. And most people will say one of five things they'll say, um, they'll say paying off debt, uh, making a large purchase, like a house or a car, uh, saving for education planning for retirement or leaving a legacy when you die. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, that kind of helps. Like if we can narrow it down to that for most people, that kind of helps them to focus on what they really want and then come up with like a few reasons why, like, why is that important to you? Create a vision. What does it mean? Like if you have your student loans paid off or your credit cards paid off, like, How's that going to feel? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your family? What else can you accomplish beyond that? So I think that's really the first step is that it has to be bigger than just, than just, I, you know, I want to pay off debt because like you said, that feels totally daunting to some people Mm -hmm. who are maybe 20 or $40,000 in credit card debt. And that's not uncommon. So don't ever feel embarrassed. Like no one should ever feel embarrassed about, about that either. Mm -hmm. Um, so why is it important? And then it's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm-hmm. So you just start small. You know, you just start with what you can can do, create a budget. What are you currently spending money on? What do you have free? Like credit card debt is often a strategy of, um, you know, let's look at the higher interest, higher balances um, and rank them. You know, start mm-hmm. with the lower balances. Um, higher interest. And then you want to pay off those lower balances card cards first and have that success and then move on to the higher balances and just pay the minimum on the higher balances until you get to that card. So you just kind of start one card at a time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can take years, but I've seen people do it. Like I've seen people who really have that focus and they get it done. And like a few years later, they're in a much better financial position. So If it's just saving for retirement, like I said, like, can you go without, can you just do one Starbucks coffee, Mm -hmm. you know, and let's start putting that money into some, um, you know, into like an investment product, um, that's gonna, 
that's going to work for you. Meet with someone who can help you talk through that. Um, your goals might change. So review it annually. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, if you start with $50 a month, it ends up not feeling that bad. So let's increase it to like 100 and 150 and just keep going. Um, but it is important too, as you continue to like grow that you're, you regularly revisit it because your needs will change. Um, the focus changes, the economic environment changes. We've seen some crazy things in the last few years. Right. So, yes. So, uh, there's a lot in our society that's like, if you're rich, you're successful. Um, where do you think our generation or society is going on with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, interestingly, when I, when I read that question, um, one of the first things I did is Googled like what people say when they're dying or like their biggest regrets when they're dying. Have you heard of this before? No. Like, well, so one of the most common things people say is that they wish they would have lived a life true to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they wish they would have told people how they felt, you know. Um, so I just kind of looked at like the top five. Um, nobody wishes they would have been rich, ironically. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> so oh, freaking funny. <laughs> so it's, you know, and and to me, it's having money and making it a goal to be financially sound. It's not about being rich, you know, but it's about the things that it can do for you. Like you can, you can give back. I once heard someone say, you know, people who say money can't buy happiness, haven't given enough of it away. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it provides choices. It makes life easier. Mm -hmm. So that's a really what it's about. So I, you know, as you kind of redefine that definition of success, I do think it becomes more a part of like having quality relationships. At least these are things that I think about that in our life enriching to me, you know, having quality relationships with friends and family and, you know, and maybe like in creating experiences and maybe that experience is just like having dinner around the table with people that you love mm-hmm. or going somewhere in the world that you've never been before. And it does take, you know, it does take financial acumen to be able to do those things. And, but when you define, like, I think that when I think about rich, it just sounds like, it just sounds like you've accumulated a large amount of, of wealth. And, and really, I don't think that encompasses a person, you know, entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does that, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm thinking a lot. Sorry. I have a lot of, I love, I feel like I have like seven tabs open in my mind right now. And every time you're like <laughs> yeah. saying something, I feel like I'm like clicking into something. I'm like, yes, I am. Yeah. And so like, it, it makes me think like come back to like more so like the instant gratification nature. And like, that's what people are equating with rich that I can buy whatever I want at a Thanks. moment's notice. Yes. And that's my definition of rich that yeah. I have enough money mm-hmm. in the account that I can buy whatever I want. And that's rich mm-hmm. and that it's not rich in other ways. And so it brings me back to that instant gratification piece of what's going on in this current state of the world and with like current generations. Yeah. But even when you have the money, are you actually going to buy it? Like if you want that instant gratification, but then you know what I mean? Like when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it, are you actually going to buy it? You know what I mean? Are you actually going to buy it? And will it make you happy? I mean, right. You know, everything loses its luster after 
Yeah. After a while. Right. So the new car is going to get old and you're going to need to buy another one. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I feel like as an adult, my purchases have, have looked different and I feel like I celebrate some of those purchases differently. Like the other day I bought a new pair of tennis shoes and I was like, yes, I'm so excited about these tennis shoes. <laughs> or like bed sheets. I bought bed sheets and I told my husband and I was like, I'm so excited about these new bed sheets. And he's like, you sound like an old lady. <laughs> oh, I got really excited to buy mulch the other day. Yes. <laughs> like, I was stoked about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like those purchases look different and maybe my goals or like our lifestyle has changed so much since my, you know, early twenties, yeah. I was so in, in my early twenties off to tell you the story. I had a designer handbag and I sold it to pay rent. <laughs> I had, a, I got a designer handbag when I turned 18, 18. Yeah. And probably like five years later, I sold it to pay rent when I was living in Bozeman, Montana. And I was like, well, there goes that. <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. It was fun while I had it, but I need to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> I have somewhere to sleep. That's yeah. a win. <laughs> that outweighs this handbag that I used to like hold so tightly to. But like, I'm not saying not having nice things, but like my nice things looks different. Like I want nice outdoor gear. I want good tennis shoes. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I want a Peloton or I want an outdoor bike that took me like probably an entire year to buy. I oh thought gosh. about it for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would get a weekly update on the emotional status of how she was feeling about the Peloton bike. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Where am I at with this? No, I, yeah, I did end up purchasing one after a while, but even a road bike, it took me a long time to even buy a road bike. You made that, you actually made that decision reasonably quickly. That's true. You. Yeah. yeah. So, but we digress. Yeah. But I do feel like I'll be curious to see like what my purchases look like as I reflect, you know, in my forties, what, you know, as my, what did, as I'm reflecting now in my thirties, what was in my twenties and same for like when I'm in my forties, you know what I mean? And it's different. Like, I think it scales differently too, right? Like you would spend more money maybe on a set of bed sheets today mm-hmm. than you would have like 10 years ago. Oh, for sure. Totally. So probably because everything we got were like hand-me-downs and yeah. I was yeah. like, yes, I've gotten to this point where I'm not taking hand-me-downs anymore. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, 34. I'm 34, right? Yes. <laughs> that's how old you are. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you said, it, yeah, it will look probably look different. And even too, with like our kids, like, you know, what type of money am I spending on our kids now versus what we were spending five years ago and the price of things. Like mm-hmm. we were just talking about how things have increased like 20%. Mm-hmm. Or 9% inflation, almost 9% inflation in 2022. Right. And people aren't getting those large raises. Not every, no, not everyone is. Uh-huh. Right. And, and it, I feel like that it's hard not to be a little scared about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a myth too, is that like government's got inflation under control. Well, clearly, clearly they, not in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, no. no. So, and And that's important to think about, like for people that are closer to retirement and trying to do it on their own, like inflation is one of the biggest things that people forget to and to account for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, going back to, like you said, retirement, um, inflation, you started your business and what did that look like? you know, kind of getting off of the ground with that, you know, financially. Um, I mean, cause I feel like that's a lot of work and as a woman, like that's, that's daunting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I took out a small business loan last year and I felt like I would, I think I kind of shared with you a little that I felt like I was treated like a little girl <laughs> and I yeah. felt like people were looking at me like, mm, I don't know if you can do it. And you're like, well, that sucks. Keep in mind, this was under $10,000. <laughs> right. Like this was not something I wasn't asking for a half a million. I was actually asking for 8,000 to be exact. And I felt like I, yeah, people looked at me like I was crazy. There was a lot of that. I think when I started, you know, there was a lot of like, and it kind of gets in your head a little bit, like, can I really do it? You you know, Mm -hmm. it's important to have like that support system of people who believe in you because sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to see that you can do it yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to have. And I think that's one of the things that has helped me tremendously in my career is Mm -hmm. just like having relationships with people that can see further ahead than you can. Mm And so they can say things like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be that way. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're supposed to, you know, be in debt. Like payroll is going to cost more um, than you're getting paid. You know, those kinds of things so that you know that, you know, you're not really getting into the weeds. I was in a job where I was making salary of sixty five thousand dollars a year. And when I ran. my budget to start the agency, I was going to make about 15,000 the first year. And I vividly remember like what, at one point, what, like in nine months in, um, I was pregnant. And so not only did I start, start a business, I got pregnant. Um, and about nine months in, I was wanting to buy a baby swing and I was going through the budget and just started crying because I didn't have enough money left over to buy by the baby swing. And then I went, wait, I paid myself, paid myself this week. (laughs) I do have enough money to buy the baby swing. So it's, you know, like it's a risk, you know, and it's, you know, it wasn't a risk. Like it was a calculated risk because I was doing it with a company that I knew provided a lot of support and, Mm -hmm. um, resources and, um, and, And then there's just also that belief in self. And it took a while. I mean, it was about five years before I started um, seeing my income grow. And I remember being up in the middle, like waking up in the middle of the night, going through spreadsheets and making sure that I could pay for daycare and, you know, just doing it multiple times. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, like when it, sometimes it's like, you know, it's not always about like, you know, that instant gratification thing, right? Like it's, it's not always about just delaying gratification. Sometimes there's risk involved too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to remember, you know, even when you're like planning, like planning for your financial future, like without risk, there's no reward mm-hmm. and everyone's different on that level. But, um, but it's, uh, yeah, that was kind of my journey to mm-hmm. get, to get started. Yeah. So did you have, right when you started, I mean, did you have the mentality, like I have to spend money to make money or like going back to that, that was one of like your myths that you listed, you know, when we yeah. first started. Yeah. Like when people say that, are you like, not technically? No, you don't. Yeah. You don't to, you don't have to have, um, so say it again. The myth was you don't have, have to, to spend money to make money. You don't have to, sp- or, or it takes money to make money. It takes was, money to make money, money to, was make, the myth. to make money. Oh yeah. Sorry. I got that wrong. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. You don't have to have a ton of money. I mean, I didn't. Right. We, right. Bought, we bought that building on a land contract because oh, wow. 
we couldn't even get a loan through the bank. We didn't have enough money to put put down on it. And I borrowed the money from my parents, but I say I paid them back within like six months because I didn't like the idea of owing, yeah, you, you know, my parents' money. But I was extremely focused on like I didn't spend money on anything else. We were eating ramen noodles, and you know, it was a good thing that I was pregnant because I wasn't going out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> spending money and, and that kind of thing. But um, but it's just like I said, it just takes like. It just takes that. You just have to have a good reason why. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have those people in front of you that are like, yes, this is how it's supposed to be. This is normal. Yeah. And I think especially for like business owners or people who think they want to go the entrepreneurial route or self-employed route, like I think it's glamorized a lot. And like people don't know that like people who start a business, like they're not paying themselves at all. Like it, it's not all it's cracked up to be for the first little bit. Like you have to be patient. Mm-hmm for it to pay out for you. Oh, totally. And people talk about it, like being their firstborn, <laughs> like yeah, your business is that much work. Like mm-hmm. I will work 10 times harder for my business than I probably will any other job. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And your friends are buying new houses and new cars and mm-hmm. you know, you're just a little bit farther away from that. Yeah, oh, totally. I could give two Yahoo's about a car though. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I don't care. I drive yeah. an 04. <laughs> It's great. I drive a minivan that's like probably covered with trail mix inside right now. No joke. <laughs> I mean, once you have kids, they destroy everything. Oh, anyway. totally. Like when we first brought her minivan home, Floyd rode next to the minivan with his bike and just scraped the entire oh. side of the minivan with his bike. And he was like, oops. And I was like, well, so it's broken like, in now. So why we can't have nice things. Yeah. I was like, thank goodness that thing's not on like a, a loan or anything. We're not leasing that or whatever. Right, you bought it cash. And I bought like, that thing straight up cash out. And I'm just like, well, golly. I was like, maybe let's not do that next time. Give like a good, like one foot. Like, yeah. To the yeah. People, but yeah, I think, yeah. I, um, yeah. I said that myth wrong. Yeah. It takes money to make money. I w- I feel like that's also very much like us, like starting our own businesses and having people around you to like cheer you on and to be like, not places where you can like cut corners, but I think also too, on the tax side, get really creative Yeah, mm-hmm. and having like a CPA. Someone who knows what they're doing. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, at the beginning I, I didn't. And I felt like that was where I was very like eye opening to me. Like you said, having people or even someone that can recognize your strengths. Like mm-hmm. you said, like you didn't feel confident with the money side of it. So, you know, that's maybe something that you should pass off or, mm-hmm. you know, let someone else do until you can get more confident and learn it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a really good leader, then you can spend your time developing other people and, you know, creating other strat like making a team versus trying to do all those things on your own. Mm-hmm. Also, do I feel like when you start your own business, it's hard where to spend money. Yeah. Like for me, I was like, well, I should outsource this, but I don't want to outsource this, you know, and where, where can you outsource? I felt like that was one of the hardest things when I first started. Uh, I mean, I'll say even 16 years in, you know, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm having to put more money into it, you know, and make that decision, which I like, you're probably just never done doing that. Right. And where do I put it? And am I going to get the return on this? Because you know, one of my strengths is being able to connect with people and talk to people, but I'm also know that I'm not really good at training. And so I hired someone to do that, but I'm also sitting in on all of the training 
so that I can make sure that I can figure it out. Like I'm trying to learn to do it myself. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. And just recognizing that. I think that's a huge, like with self-awareness and having self-awareness in your finances, like you said, just going back to that too. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, like, I know this is probably, I, I was just curious when people come, come to see you, what would you say the most common questions that you get? I think if people are ready, you know, not everyone's ready because, because I think a lot of people don't know that they can do it or, you know, they're not ready to maybe give up racking up debt on their credit card. Um, but if they're ready, it's like, you know, how do I start? Mm -hmm. And, um, and where do I start? You know, mm -hmm. I think that's usually, usually what it is. Yeah. And, um, and then it's just, like I said, it's just kind of like figuring out which, what makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Some people are self-sufficient and they've got it figured out or, you know, on their own and they've got a good path that they're running on. Like this is some people's strengths and maybe they have a day job, but they also love doing this. But other people are just, you know, aren't exactly sure where to start. Um, make sure that, you know, you know, go talk to someone, make sure that you're talking to someone that has a lot of options and choices. They don't just maybe sell a particular bank product product or, you know, like just make sure that there's choices mm -hmm. because one size doesn't fit all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we say see someone, we're talking like financial advisor yeah. specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Or okay. just even someone who provides, because you could go to a bank and maybe talk to a banker, but it's not going to be the same type of service as someone who has, um, you know, a CFP or a financial designation. Mm -hmm. Also, they're selling you their business's product. Like they're not giving you other people's right. offerings. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Know where you are. That's an important thing. Expand on that. Um, you know, take an inventory of what you have, like mm -hmm. how much is your house worth? How much do you owe on it? Um, how much is your car worth? What's your debt? What's your monthly payments on, on these things versus what you're bringing home? Um, what do you have in checking savings? Most financial experts recommend three to six months of expenses. And if you have more than that, then you're missing out on opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes people get busy and they have good intentions, but they open accounts all over the place and it takes them a while to try to figure out where stuff is. And, um, and you might be paying account fees. Like if you've got like five different retirement accounts, you might be paying account fees or other fees on those accounts that would be easier to consolidate them to one. Yeah. When I first started my business, I opened a credit card through our bank. Didn't think twice about it. Didn't realize how high the interest rate was. And obviously I don't want to carry a balance, but there were seasons during my off seasons where I did carry a balance. And I was like, whoa, yeah. I did not realize I was sitting on a 22% rate. Mm -hmm. Like that is high. Mm -hmm. And I just like, yeah, I did not take inventory because yeah, things got busy. And I was just like, oh, it, it is what it is. And I don't want to get rid of it and whatnot. And or even just savings accounts. Sometimes they can have monthly service fees that are high. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. There might be a simple way to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
Yeah, I didn't think about that. You, I feel like that's the stuff that you just kind of like forget. You're like, oh, my money's sitting in there. It's not a big deal. It is what it is type of thing. Yeah. Would you say, um, I never mind. I was going to ask for advice about like, uh, if you have kids, what does that look like for like savings? Well, I mean, how do you, how are you having those conversations with your kids? Would you say like differently than the way that you were raised? Like allowing your kids to have conversations around money, teaching your kids, like, what does that look like? Like kind of changing that, like, quote unquote, like, I don't want to call it generational sin, but just different than what our parents did in that sense. Like, how are you choosing to educate the next generation, like your Mm -hmm. kids about money and finances? There's, I recently, I haven't finished it, but I started a book. This is my um, Achilles heel as I start books and don't finish them. Oh, same. (laughs) Same. But I, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so good. I have a friend that like swears by this book. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, The differences in this book is that the, you know, poor dad is not like he's actually poor, but he's just, um, he's a professor, you know, and the the example in the book, he's a professor working at a college on a salary and his idea of making money is really just going to work every day from nine to five, um, Monday through Friday. And, um, and the, and the rich dad is takes more of like a an entrepreneurial type like standpoint. And, and this is something we don't learn in school, right? Is that what it takes to actually make money? Like, you know what? You hear these stories all the time of like the little boy who starts like a, a business in the neighborhood to shovel the neighbor's driveways. But then he he charges the neighbors like $30, $30 to shovel their driveway. And then he pays neighborhood kids $10 to shovel the driveway. So he sits at home while all of his friends are out shoveling the neighbor's driveway. <laughs> he makes $20 a, a driveway, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that theory too, is like you want, it's just more gratifying to work for yourself. And, um, you know, and if that's something, again, you know, like you said, it's not for everyone, but if that's something that that you're good at, uh, don't like, it's just, there's just a lot of like peace of mind. I think just knowing that what you're doing is, is for yourself and, um, and you're not stuck in this situation where you have to, you have to be there because someone tells you mm-hmm. to be. So, um, and I think just being aware, like money doesn't grow on trees, you know, mm-hmm it's, there's a cost for everything. And the, I wanted, I ordered that book and I wanted to get it on the Libby app so I could listen to it because I'm, I, I can't physically read books right now in my life. I have to listen to them. So mm-hmm. if I find them in on the Libby app audio, then I I'm golden. But if not, if not, then it sits on my shelf. I'm like, dang it. I need to read that one. That's on my list right now. Cause it's not on the Libby app which I should call the library and be like, why isn't this on here? <laughs> I think it's a good place to kind of transition to favorite financial books. So David Bach, the latte factor, that was the one that I had talked about in yes. October. And that's really just a good one. I think for like anyone who doesn't feel like they can do it, you know, anyone who doesn't really understand what's going on, like, why can't I save money? Why do I keep, you know, getting further and further into debt? And 
you know, where do I start and what does this look like and why is it important? Um, the other one that he wrote is Smart Women Finish Rich. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, this one specifically talks about hurdles and struggles that women face in the financial um, world. Like we have to save more money than men. Like the industry standard is save 10% of your income for retirement. He suggests that women actually save 12% because we live longer. Mm. Okay. Uh, And then just other struggles that happen with women, you know, like we tend to be caregivers. So we don't always work full time. We might be taking care of um, elderly family members or kids. Um, And so we don't have access to retirement plans. And so that can be a hurdle. And what does that look like? Um, so it's specific healthcare tends to cost more. Um, you know, we have more, um, you know, OB gynecology, like those kinds of needs more than men do. So that tends to cost more generally, um, just all different types of unique circumstances that are specific to women. So I would say, you know, that would probably be like specifically the best one too. Mm. And another reason why you can't leave it up to your husband because, and he might, you know, met, you know, actually that's like, I don't want to say like, you can't leave it up to him because men usually do like a really good job of taking care of their wives. <laughs> they never want to, to leave them without, without things, but you have to know, you know, you have to know what's going on and, and look out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be in the loop. Be in the loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, at the end, we usually have like a couple rapid fire questions, but they're like not so rapid. So like, they no aren't pressure. rapid. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. you can think about them. Yeah. 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 We should probably stop calling them rapid. Yeah. <laughs> they're just questions. They're just a few questions. They're at just the more end. fun. Um, a woman that inspires you. Um, Jen Hammaker. Mm. All right. Explanation. She's, yeah. She's funny. She, um, you know, she's just got a good perspective on life. Like she's really transparent about all the struggles that she goes through with her five kids and, you know, during COVID, um, you know, just like different issues that she was dealing with during that time. And, um, yeah, humorous. She's, she's got a, she's got, I think that's super important in dealing with life. Like just having a sense of humor Mm -hmm. and, um, so say, yeah, yeah. Just like a today person. That's who I would say. Mm. Like, of course there's like historical figures, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. But have their- Any, anybody with a sense of humor is good in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see your beverage of choice. Like alcoholic or not? Any, any. Doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, um, you can give us categories if you'd like. Yeah. If you have like morning, afternoon, night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, morning, I just do a cup of coffee with cream. Um, and afternoon, like water or LaCroix. Evening is usually an old fashioned or a glass of Chardonnay. Mm. Oh, love it. We got the urban full day old, covered. Urban old fashioned. I should specify. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Very specific. Some people yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My husband definitely. That's his like drink of choice too. If we were like out. Yeah. An old fashioned. Every time I drink one though, I'm always like, ah. 
I make that noise. Like, like I can't do it. Like, I think I want to drink it <laughs> yeah. and I think it's going to be more like uh, sweet because of the orange. No. Just because of the garnish, it's going to be real sweet. In my mind. <laughs> so I think it's that. an acquired taste. It's oh, an, totally. It's all psychological. Maybe it comes with age. It I, might. Something it in might. my 40s I can look forward <laughs> to. I've just started drinking them within the last couple of years. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, what content are you currently consuming? So that can be books, music, TV, podcasts. I have recently, let me think about that. I have a couple of books. I'm, like I said, I start books and don't finish them. Um, Paychecks and Playchecks is one that I recently started by Tom Hegna. Um, and but, um, this was a few months ago, but it's one of my faves and it's, I take my coffee black by Tyler Merritt. Mm-hmm. Um, so and podcasts. So that would be like, you know, literature podcasts. Um, Ed Milet is one of my favorites. I've also um really like um Abby Wambach and um Oh Glenn Doyle. Oh thank yeah. you. It's a good one. I feel like we listen we share a lot of that one back yeah. and forth. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Then last question. Uh what does community mean to you? Community means um having a group of people that um respect each other and share with each other and look out for each other i like that yeah that's good definitely all right well thank you so much it's been great thank you uh and we'll have like all your information for people who want more from you in the show notes awesome thanks Thank you for listening to And We Go On. Check out our show notes for links and additional education. We would love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Be the first to sponsor And We Go On, a She Unites podcast. Get your name out in the community, in person, and online. For more info, email sheunitesiowa at gmail.com. She Unites is a 501c3 nonprofit organization registered in the state of Iowa. We are proud to be a 100% donation-supported organization. Our spaces, speakers, and programming are all gifted by those who support our vision because we are better together. If you feel compelled to join us in the She Unites mission, please donate at sheunitesiowa.com. Follow us on Instagram at sheunitesiowa for the latest and greatest from our organization.